We are on Chagiga Chof Amr Aleph in the article on 20A3, and we will hopefully be concluding the second parak, the second chapter in this recording. So, this is very exciting. We are concluding the second chapter here. So, the Gemara uh, was having a discussion about when a person is watching an item, they're watching a specific item. And if they just keep their mind off of it, there's hesachadas that they're no longer uh, uh, having attention towards that item and what that item is touching. So then it's designated as impure, either because we're concerned that it, t- it touched something which was impure and made it impure, and because the person didn't realize it. Um, so then uh, we are concerned that it's impure, or it has a status of impurity, even if it didn't touch something which is impure, but... Just the very fact that you diverted your attention from it, you weren't guarding it, you weren't watching it, so then that makes it impure. But what happens in a case where you're watching it, you're watching the item entirely, you just forgot about which item it was. You thought you're guarding this 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 uh, this clee, this vessel, which contains something inside of it. You've been watching it the whole time. Just you made a mistake, you didn't realize that you thought that uh, apples were in it, really oranges were in it. So does that or does that not uh, create an impurity? Is that viewed as hesachadas, as a as though you're not really having full attention towards that item? And so the Gemara first thought that uh, it was a problem of hesachadas, of not having complete attention. And then they brought various proofs to say that, no, really it is. And now the Gemara is going to explain as follows. The Gemara is going to answer... That really, that's not viewed as hesachatas. If you're f- completely focused on that object and you're making sure that it doesn't touch anything which is impure, so even if you got it wrong, that it's really, uh, you thought it was one thing and it really was something else, that's not enough to make it that um, that uh, it's hesachatas, that it's, uh, that you're not really having proper attention towards it. And if it was that alone, so then the object would be tahor, it would be pure. What about the three cases? We had three cases in the beginning of yesterday's recording that said that it was Tameh, the conclusion was that it was impure. So the Gemara goes through all three cases and explains why those are different. There's different reasons as to why in those three cases it became impure. So we say, In the case, we had one case, where women, there were two women who went into the bathhouse. And when they came out, they switched each other's garments. They wore each other's, the other person's bathrobe. So they were guarding it, they were making sure they put it in a place where it wouldn't get impure, the whole time, they just happened to switch which uh, bathrobe they were wearing. So over there, it's not because they interchanged, but it was because kol achas v'achas omeres chaverti eishis ama aretz umas chadaita mina. Over there, it's an exception because over there, one woman's thinking, each one's thinking about the other one. That you know what, the other woman, she doesn't really follow the laws of purity and impurity, and because they don't follow the laws of purity and impurity, so therefore. Uh, my my bathrobe is already impure, already has the possibility of being impure, and so therefore they gave up on it. So they automatically gave up on it. So that automatically caused hesachadas. They div- that diverted their attention from guarding the garment because they just assumed that the garment would be impure because they just were concerned that maybe their the other woman who put it on was really somebody who does not adhere to the laws of purity and impurity, and so therefore they were concerned that the garment was already impure. Similarly, when it comes to the next case, I understand why there's a difference. Also, in the case where one goes into their closet and instead of taking out 
his weekday garments. He took out his Shabbos garments. He took out uh, different garments than he planned on taking out. And so therefore there was some sort of, uh, he took out the wrong garments. And so uh, the ruling was that it's impure. Why was that? Came to kill him Shabbos of because the rule is that when it comes to Shabbos clothing, a person is going to guard them to a greater degree than weekday clothing. The Shabbos clothing is a higher level of guarding. And so therefore, if you if they messed up, it's not just interchanging between apples and oranges or between just uh, wine and uh, and oil. This is between Shabbos garments and weekday garments. Shabbos garments require a higher level of guarding. And so therefore, once that person messed up, or made a mistake and took out the wrong garment, so then they that person just uh, they just diverted their attention from it. They they were uh, there was they just uh, they were they they no longer had attention towards it because they thought that they completely uh, that they that they messed up in taking the wrong taking the wrong garment. That explains two of the cases. The Gemara asks El Rabionasan Ben Elazar, but what do you do about the fir- really the first case that was discussed, but the Last case that's discussed right now of what happens in the case where a person dropped their garment. They dropped uh, some shawl or some uh, cloth and another pick- person picked it up. Um, and wa- and the- he told the other person, he told another person to go ahead and pick it up and give it back to him. So why don't we say, So I don't understand. The person sees the, the, the owner, see- he dropped something and he sees somebody else go ahead and pick it up. So his eyes are on it the whole time. So what's the problem with that? So the Gemara answer is turning it now to the page twenty eight four. No, Amr Biyochanan. The problem of that is There's a rule that a person does not guard that which is in his uh, in his fellow's hand. That there's a rule that, and Rashi we explained this yesterday. Rashi, the classic commentator, explains as follows that. If he's telling somebody else, somebody else who happens to be passing by, the owner says, go ahead and pick it up. So he doesn't know if that person's pure or impure, that he can contaminate it, can make the the object, his clothing that he dropped, uh, impure. He doesn't know. And so therefore, there's a chazaka, there's a presumption that a person, when it's uh, when his, a person's object is in somebody else's hands, it's not viewed as guarded because they don't know what's going on with the other person. And similarly, the other person is not going to guard it uh, to a significant degree because... They know that uh, they're being appointed even though the other person doesn't really know anything about them, about whether they're pure or not. And so therefore, even that person who picked it up for the owner is not going to treat it with uh, a high level of of attention. And so because there's this rule that a person, when their object is with somebody else, that uh, it's no longer viewed as guarding it. So therefore, when he, this person dropped the object and somebody else picked it up, he told somebody else to pick it up, it's viewed as removing your attention from it. That's not viewed as having full attention towards that object. You only can only have full attention towards that object if you're still holding on to it, but not if somebody else is holding on to it. Okay, so that explains all three cases. Mm-hmm. That, so in the end of the day, it's really not about um, it's really not about interchanging between objects. Is viewed as uh, diverting your attention. Really, that would make it pure. But all three cases that we discussed, they have different reasons as to why it became impure in all those cases. The Gemara now goes on a tangent based on the last reason and says, is it not really true that you could guard your objects even if it's by somebody else? The Gemara asks, Velo, is it really true that if it's by, if your object is by somebody else that it cannot be viewed as being guarded? 
But we have a brysa which seems to imply that you could guard it even if somebody else has it. The Hatanya, it's taught in a brysa. We're now in 20b1. It's taught in a brysa. Haresha, hayu chamaravu polav to unin taharos. Afa pishi hivlik mehen yosemi mil. Taros of taharos. If you have a person who hire drivers or workers, and these drivers or workers, they don't necessarily follow the laws of purity and impurity of Tum and Tara, but you do. You, the owner, you do. And you gave it to them uh, to, to carry from place to place. So even though they're at a, at a long distance of more than a mill, they're at a significant distance of between 3,000 and 4,000 feet, so still, your items are still viewed as pure. So we see from here that it's that you, you put your items, you give your items to somebody else, and your items are still viewed as pure. So first of all, you have to first see the end of it. But if if he said to them, so the question is coming from the first part, but you also have to see the second part. But if he, he said to them, no, go ahead of me. And I'm going to follow you later on. So then once you, they can only, the owner can no longer see the movers. The movers are taking their, his, the owner's possessions and walking uh, or moving at a, at a, at a, to a far place. <coughs> where you can no longer see them. So then, Tyros of Tameos. So then, his objects are viewed as impure because these people that are carrying them are not, are not, uh, are not uh, people who follow the laws of purity and impurity. So then we assume that it is impure. But in end day, in the first case where the person still sees them, we say that if the, if the, if the workers, if these movers have the objects of the owners, we say that it's still pure as long as you can see them. So that seems to imply that as long as he sees them, even if your object is by somebody else, that it's viewed as pure. That we don't we don't assume that it's impure. That it's not that it's viewed as uh, no longer having attention towards it. If it's by somebody else, we see even though it's by somebody else, we still view it as pure as tahor. So why is that? So the Gemara explains based on another question. My narration, my sefa. The Gemara first wants to understand what's the difference between the first case of the brisa and the second case of the brisa. What's the difference between the case of the brisa where you still could see them. It's within 3,000 to 4,000 feet. You can still see them. Versus the case where you told them, go ahead of me. I'm not going to be able to see you. Where we say that that case is tame. It's impure. What's the difference between these two cases? So, The first case is a case where, why is it pure in the first case? Which is going to answer our original question. Why is it pure in the first case? It's because you made sure that your movers went to the mikvah. That they themselves are tahor. They are pure. And therefore, they cannot make your objects tame. They can't make your objects impure. So you, you, you specifically went ahead and you made your workers go ahead and go into uh, the mikvah. And that's what the first case was. So the Gemara asks, Yehachi Sefenami. So I understand if the case is where they went to the mikvah, so then in the second case also, even if the, you can't see them anymore, it should still be tahor. It should still be pure because these workers, they went to the mikvah already. They're completely pure. There's no there's no question. So the Gemara answers, no. Ein amart makbed al maga Chavero. No, because since these people are not following, these people are not stringent with regards to the rules of purity and impurity, they're not following these rules, so they might be pure, but, you know, they hang around other people also. So the people they hang around with are their friends, and those friends are not going to be careful about it, and their friends will make the owner's objects impure. There's a concern that they'll make the owner's objects impure. The Gemara then goes, this is like a ping pong, it goes back and forth. So what do you do in the first case? The first case also we should be concerned that they're bringing their friends along. In the first case also we should be concerned that these barrels, this the, the possessions here of the original owner are impure. 
The Gemara says, no, Bebalahem Derech Akawasun. The case is where the boss, the owner, could just chance upon them because they're so close, he could come upon them, and that fear of, of, of being there of, is, is sufficient enough for them not to have their friends come and potentially make these barrels impure, especially given the situation. The owner said, you have to go to the mikvah. So obviously, these people know that the boss wants to make sure that everything is pure. So because they have that fear that the boss can come at any point in time, so then uh, so then, uh, we assume that they're not going to bring their friends along to that to create the possibility of making the barrels impure. So the Gemara then asks, Yehachi Sevenami. So then what about in the last case? In the last case where even if you can't see them, so maybe the boss could come at any point in time. The Gemara says, no. Because he told them, go, go way ahead of me and then I'll catch up later. Uh, but I'll follow you a lot later. So then they're no longer scared that the, the boss is going to come at any point in time because they're so far away. So the big distinction between the two cases are, first of all, they went to the mikvah. In both cases, both the first and second case of this bride, so they went to the mikvah, the workers. And that explains why uh, there's no concern here from the workers' perspective, at least, that the workers are going to make the barrels impure. Um, but really, in, in a regular case, we would be concerned that it's impure uh, if they didn't go to the mikvah. So over here, they went to the mikvah. But the difference between the first case and the second case is that in the first case, even if their their friends would never come, that the workers' friends would never come with a chance of making the barrels impure because they're always scared of the boss coming at any point in time. In the second case, where we assume that the barrels are impure, they are tame, it's because there's no concern. They're not afraid of the boss coming at any point in time. Uh, this principle, just to, to end off on this note, this principle of the boss coming at any point in time really is not just a principle here, but it also applies with the laws of kashrus, the laws of kosher, that the concept of having a mashkiach, of having who, somebody who oversees um, uh, food, so it's uh, nuanced laws, but the concept of a mashkiach, not necessarily having to be there the entire time, but coming in, going in and going out, is enough to cre- instill fear upon those that are working with the food to make sure that everything is going to be kept kosher because they know that the person could come in at any point in time. That would would be sufficient in many cases uh, for the Mashiach not to have to be there the entire time, but just to go in and out. Something a concept that we call Nichnas Vyotse. They go in and out, but they don't have to be there uh, the entire time. Okay, that concludes the second parak. So we are done with the second parak. Hadran Allah Dorshan. So we say we will return to you to the chapter of Ain that even though we completed it, we want to always return back to you. We want to, we uh, we loved and enjoyed studying it so much, and it's uh, such a great merit that we have to study it that we end off the chapter by saying we want to return back to you. We want to come back to this chapter. So Mazel Tov to everybody who has completed the second chapter. We have one chapter left in this tractate, as we have about two months to go.